Hey everyone, welcome to the Superview Show's Mixed Bag coming to you live once again from the JK. And just a reminder, everyone, we the best, we podcast. the best podcast. Hopefully, you are doing well. Hopefully, all is well in your life and ours. I am joined as always by my good man Bill Murphy. What's going on, folks? So glad to have you back. Are you excited, Bill? Are you excited to be here? I am so excited to be here. Let's do it. And Bill, what a what is our topic for tonight? Well, we got an interesting one for you folks tonight, don't we? We do. What is it, buddy? Okay. When you think of the greatest filmmakers, you think of some of their greatest works. But unfortunately, not all of them can be masterpieces. No. So, like every filmmaker, they have a few duds. Yeah, unfortunately. So tonight, we're going to be talking about those duds. So tonight's topic, my friends, is... Bad direct, bad movies made by good directors. Oh yes, oh yes. And next week we're gonna do the vice versa. We're gonna do good movies made by bad directors. Oh yeah. So yeah, tonight a lot of these directors have works of art under their belt. Some of them consider the greatest movie of all movies of all time. But tonight, we're not looking at those. We are not looking at those. We're looking at the shitholes. Yeah, they're the worst films they've done. And now, we just want to say, we are not saying that these affect their career in general. We don't want to say these affect their career in general. That does not mean they did a bad job. Not everyone can hit a home run at bat. Not everyone can have a number one hit. Not everyone can make a great film. So just want to get that out of the way. All right, JT, you want to start with your number one? We'll go back and forth. Absolutely. So, I mean, generically speaking, I don't really have a list tonight, but I do have a couple of films I want to touch on. And one of the ones, the first one I want to touch on is something that a film, the first one is considered an all-time classic, but this one, the follow-up sequel, we talked about this. We're including sequels in this, this discussion because, let's face it, some sequels were bad, too. I want to talk to you, and Billy, chime in whenever you're ready. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Jaws 2, which Spielberg did direct, but let's he face it. I hate it. Steven Spielberg directed Jaws 2. Okay. But he, oh, he did not. I'm sorry. I take that back. Ah, wrong one. Ah, we're off to a terrible start tonight. That's okay. Okay, you, you want me to go or you wait? Or you got you go first. In mind. I, I picked up the wrong. Go ahead. You go first. Okay. First of all, I want to say shame. Um. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. We're gonna start with this one. What we got to start with the shit stopper. Some people consider the worst thing ever created by humanity. Oh no. Cats. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, folks, we're going there. We are going there, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, cats are cute, but the movie was terrible. Ugh, don't remind me. Uh, okay. look, I'm getting like chills, dude. They're multiplying and I'm losing control. In the worst way possible, I'm getting chills. <laughs> um, but anyway, my friend, okay, Tom Hooper can make good movies. For instance, oh, yeah. um, I really like Les Miserables. Oh, yeah. Great I like Les Miserables. I liked, um, you know, 
King's Speech won a freaking Oscar. Yeah. One best picture. Some people debate that it shouldn't have won, but that is a whole nother conversation. And you know who we would need for that conversation? Our friend Matt Hemsley. Not just Matt Hemsley. Doctor Matt Hemsley. Matt Hemsley. Oh yeah. But anyway, um, but but anyway, Hooper can make good movies, but this 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 is an abomin calling it an abomination is too nice is being too nice. I agree. This is a crime against nature. My friends, this is a crime against nature. Yeah, it's do, pretty bad. Do I need to even explain the plot? Okay, I'll explain the plot. Guess what? There is none! There is no plot! No plot! Okay, there is a plot. It's a very small plot, but it's a plot. A bunch of cats. A bunch of cats, especially Taylor Swift's character, they're getting called to be the Jellicles or the Chosen Ones, of which one's going to go to the heavy side layer. Basically, cat heaven. And, yeah, but the original musical based by Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, it was, and I've explained this before, it was actually based off a book of poems by the late T.S. Eliot. And when he was turning this into a musical, Eliot's estate, said you can't use any song you can't add anything everything's got to be strictly from the poems so that's what gave us this monstrosity and yeah jt look at the cgi it's look awesome. at it look I mean, at it for our look podcast listeners you won't be able to see it but like just letting you and know, god bless you won't be able to look at it it's terrifyingly awful guys it's, it it's is, like next level it is just bad. It's bad. Um, and, and you know what? They got a lot of star power in this. They got Taylor Swift. They yep. got Jason Derulo. They got James. They got Idris Elba. Idris Elba, who is really good. I like yeah. Idris Elba. He's a fantastic actor. He is. James Corden. Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Judy De- Dame Judy Dead. Dame Judy Dench. Oh God! You know what? You know what these people are probably thinking. What? You know what these people are? They're, they're playing a game with all these people. You know what that game is called? What? Let's see how many careers we can ruin. <laughs> That's actually a good one. They're, they're trying to play. Let's see how many careers we can ruin. You're right. And. Like when the Rum Tum Tiger song starts playing, I expect Jason Derulo to come out and go, Jason Derulo! 2012 call, Jason. They want your music back. <laughs> That's so true. You know what? Even Andrew Lloyd Webber hated this movie. He called it ridiculous. It's, yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber, the guy who wrote the musical, hated it. Yeah, rough time. Rough time at the office. And <laughs> the the one saving, okay, a few saving graces I will give this movie. Not a lot, but a couple of them. Dame Judi Dench is actually not bad. 
and neither is Ian McKellen because, again, it's Judy Dench and Ian McKellen. But you know what? I will say this. I think Jennifer Hudson's version of memory is actually really good. I don't think it's Anne Hathaway's I Dreamed a Dream no. from Lame Is, but I actually think it's good. She actually does a solid version of, of that song, and that is that is that is a very that is actually a very hard song to sing. And she actually does a pretty good job. I mean, yeah. But um but the movie's still terrible. Oh, yeah, the movie's still awful. You know what the, the whole summary of the plot is? What? I, first, shout to Animat from Electric Dragon. I, I love your channel. I am a cat. I am a cat. I am a cat. I am a cat. That's the whole plot of the film. That's, ter- that's honestly, that just sucks, dude. It really sucks. And just before we move on here, I, I told this story before, but I remember I wanted to watch it out of morbid curiosity. Oh, God. Why would you do that? I was just morbidly curious, and I probably had a beer or two in me. But I remember I was about to watch it. I texted Justin. I'm like, Justin, please pray for me. I'm about to watch Cats. And he's like, Bill, no, don't do it. You have, you're young. You have so much to live for. And... And I remember I posted on my Facebook page. I'm like, I was watching cats. And I put, because I love to torture myself. <laughs> That's true. Because I love to torture myself. And and then, and I remember Justin texting me, so did you survive? I'm like, yes, I survived the horror that is cats. So yeah, this movie sucks. And who directed again? Tom Hooper. Oh my god. Yeah. Hooper can make good films. This is not one of them. This is a giant step in the wrong direction. This is I don't even know why I'm talking about this movie. Because talking about that movie means I acknowledge its existence. Yeah. And I like to live in a world, JT, where it doesn't exist. And guess how that world is? Pretty peaceful. Oh, it's beautiful. It, this movie does not exist in my world, but unfortunately, in the real world, this movie exists, and I hate this, and, 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 and I just want to take copies of this film and burn and destroy it with fire. Maybe we should. We should burn all the DVDs and tapes. <laughs> Folks, we're doing you all a favor here. It's pretty bad, guys. We're doing you a but did Before we move on, I'm sorry, I know I keep seeing that. Seth Rogen, God bless him. He, um, he he watched it like in he he watched it when he was in um when when COVID was starting and he was in quarantine and he actually liked it. Yeah. You know why? Why? Because he was stoned. Oh my god! He liked it because he was stoned. And yeah, by the way, happy four twenty, folks! Happy four twenty. Oh my um, god, you're right. Happy four twenty, folks. So how much you want to bet our audience is probably getting baked while while they're watching this? Um, while they're watching, listening, totally, yeah, yeah. If you do it, that's your business. Oh yeah, totally. That's totally your business. We we do we support whatever you do as long as you're not hurting anybody. Um, but um, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this movie, this movie's pretty bad. Oh yeah, no, it's terrible. It's pretty bad. God bless this movie because no one else will. <laughs> Jeez. Any other right. comments for it, bud? Yeah, I hate it and I wish it didn't exist. Oh my god. Well, listen, here we go. Let's see. Uh, my go. Your go. Uh, let's see. Uh, I actually have. All right, I'll, I'll I'll start talking about it because it's the first thing that popped in my head. George Lucas and Star Wars: The Prequel Trilogy. Oh boy. This, I mean, first off, he let, let's 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 be honest with each other for a second. Star Wars, like George Lucas, was a phenomenal director in the seventies. This is to 1999 to 2005. He might have been the worst director. The, worst, the fact that he took on to do this stuff on his own is ridiculous. I cannot believe on my own merit that George Lucas directed like just terrible films. I mean, like the best one of the three is Revenge of the Sith. It's easily the best one. And, and that's not like even... I, I don't think Revenge of the Sith is good. Right, but it's compared the to the other two, it's the it's a freaking masterpiece. There is literally a, for those of you who've never seen Star Wars, get on it. Mean, you can watch all nine, whatever you want to do. But like episode two, there's literally a line in the movie that says, "I like sand." Like there's. I don't like sand. Do you like sand? No, actually, I hate sand. But like, there's literally a line in the movie that actually has like, "I like I hate sand" or "I like." I'm like, this is Star Wars. Good God, you're going to talk about, literally going to talk about, like, Sand or... Sand, the movie. Sand the, or Dune. Oh, wait, we can talk about Dune, actually. But, like, I don't know, it just, this movie just is, like, so... Uh, it's just ridiculous to me, personally. I don't know how the hell... They do, like, his, his mindset was, like, the story, the actual stories of the prequels are pretty good, but the execution of it's so poor, and it just shows how George Lucas was at the time. Because you know what the thing is? It's like, <coughs> of so, the three movies, uh, like yeah. what you said about Revenge of the Sith, I wouldn't even say it's good. Like, it's okay. It's better than the other two. But in all honesty, it's that's really not saying much. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's really not saying much. Like, it has some good parts in it. Like, the opera house scene is really good. The opera house scene is actually really good. Yeah. Um, when he's telling him the story of Dark Play, just the wise, I think that's a pretty chilling scene. Oh, yeah. And, they, and um, the fight between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker is pretty good. Yeah. But you know what? It's like, okay, everyone says... Phantom Menace is like the worst thing ever. And do I think yeah. it's good? No. But do I think it's the worst thing ever? Nah. But there's, least, better, there's better worse things. Between like Phantom Menace and um, Attack, Attack of the Clones, at least Phantom Menace is entertainingly bad. Exactly. And at least you can laugh at how bad it is. Yeah. At least you can, you know, at least you can laugh at how bad it is revenge of the uh, attack of the clones is just boring i like sand <laughs> come on guys 
I like sand. Um, who, doesn't, who doesn't like sand? I'm not a fan of it. Um, but it's just, but at least, at least you can. But like the thing is with like the Phantom Menace, did you know George Lucas actually wrote scenes on the way to filming? That's really bad. George Lucas. I know that's, and then I, I actually, did I ever, did I ever, did you hear this? He, I heard a story once that he was on set of one of the three films. He's not, not sure which one it was. And he's like, he, this is his directing stuff. Uh, do it again, but do it better. That's literally all he said. He's, he was just so quiet about it. He's like, yeah, do it again, but do it better. Hey, but you know what the big thing is? And, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this about George Lucas. What? And he's, he had too many yes men. Oh my God. Thank you. Yo, you agree with me on this one. I do 100%. He had so many yes men surrounding him. Like, oh, yes, yes, King George. Yes, George. I've heard this. Yes, argument. George. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, George. People would just tell him, like, yeah, that's a good idea. Nobody. Do you think anyone really had the, you know, what's to think, guys, could somebody tell George this is a bad idea? I'm sure if they people did, like, they'd just no, if we do, we don't, if we tell them it's bad, we don't get paid. Like Kathleen Kennedy or Frank Marshall was probably like, oh, yeah, totally. And then they were just saying, yes, yes, yes. And even though they were going, no, 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 these are bad. And they're like, uh, guys, shouldn't we tell George Lucas he's doing it, that this is not good? And they're like, we tell him we don't get paid. Um, oh, but, but you know what? It's like, and, and you know what? And, and, and the thing is that we talked about this before is that um, the Phantom Menace it invented a term known as Phantom Menacing. Yeah. Which is because if you look at the reviews, at the early reviews of this, people liked it. And like, listen, I, I know people today who actually like the, the prequels. And listen, if you like the prequels, you know, that's that's you. If you like it, good for you. And I just want to say, we didn't specify this earlier. If if you like any of the movies we're talking about, yeah, fine, go ahead. You know, like we always say, art is subjective. Film is subjective. Yeah, it's all subjective, guys. There's no if right or wrong answers. We, we might not like these movies, but if you like them, go ahead, like them. You doesn't mean you're stupid. Doesn't mean you're you're a horrible person. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like net or like you know, next week when we talk about good movies made by bad directors, if you don't like any of those films, go ahead, don't like them. Exactly. But yeah, but anyway. When the reviews came out, the late Roger Ebert gave this gave gave the Phantom Menace like three stars. Because out of four? It, yeah, I think like three out of four. Wow. Like he because every because this was the first Star Wars movie in like over 15 years. Yeah, since 1983. I remember, I think it was about five when this came out. Everybody was talking about it. Yeah, like, oh my God, it's another Star Wars movie. So I think people were just so buried in nostalgia. They probably brushed over a lot of it, yeah. They're like, no, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. And they finally realize, no pun intended, the Emperor has no clothes. Yeah. And yeah, but you know what? Like really bad. Like I said, I think Attack of the Clones is the worst of the three. Oh yeah, and, I, I agree. 
And you know how bad it is? I just brought up Roger Ebert. That was Attack of the Clones was the only Star Wars movie that Roger Ebert gave a negative review to. Hmm. That was the only Star Wars movie he gave a negative review to. Really? Wow. So what does that tell you? That tells you how bad it is. <laughs> and like I said, Revenge of the Sith, it's by these standards, it's good. It's the best of the three. But again, compared to the other two, that's really not saying much. No, of course not. These two make Revenge of the Sith look like the Godfather. So, yeah. so or these two make Revenge of the Sith look like the Empire Strikes Back. So, so I would not. Yeah. I would. When people say Revenge of the Sith is the best of the three, take that with a grain of salt. Totally. Take it with a grain of salt. Anything else you got to say about the prequels? That's all I got. Other than there's other than just like they, they were, they were, uh, there's redeeming qualities about some of them, but like, as if you take them as a whole, they're just not that good. They're not as good. They're not good Star Wars films. I mean, the Stone Game, like I said, guys, the story is there, but George Lucas was surrounded by so many yes men. Yes, George. Yes, George. Like they're just, it was left and right. It's crazy. So, yes, George, whatever you say, George. Like literally, and, the, and that is not a slur to George Lucas. George Lucas, I respect the living hell out of you. I've always said George Lucas is one of these guys who can create worlds with just his imagination. Like he and JT has soul. a shrine of him in his bedroom. I really don't, but like, no, um, I'm just kidding. But um, George Lucas, you know, you are an incredible creative genius. You've created Pixar. You created Lucasfilm. You created Star Wars, the Indiana Jones franchise. Well, I got that in a little bit, but like. You know, like the guy is such a has a, such a creative mindset. You don't really see that a lot over the past like forty years. You, you know, he was been, he was a pioneer of like filmmaking, so a, a lot of stuff. So um, that's I, I love you, George, but you definitely botched this one. So you screwed I, the pooch, George. I mean, no, don't get me He was like really, he was he was, he, was, he was a great star. He directed the very first Star Wars movie, which is my favorite Star Wars movie. And on top of that, not only that, he directed. American Graffiti, you know, these are other films that he actually really he directed really, really well, but that time passed pretty quick. So it's unfortunate, but whatever. Um, Bill, are you all set for your next pick? Yes. And I am. I, 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 I have my, my minor coming up in a little bit, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm throwing. I, if you don't mind, my good friend, I'm actually throwing in. I'm actually throwing in two, but they're made by the same director, if that's okay. That's fine. Go ahead. We are going... I'm doing this early now, so I saw from the blow. Um, yeah, what's up? One of my favorite directors, Mr. Tim Burton. Yeah, which one? And two movies that he made. One was the 2010 Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Ahead, I haven't seen the whole that. thing. I've seen it in like bits and pieces, but it's just the tone of it is just. That was 2010. Oh my God. Where does time go? Hey, but this movie made a shit ton of money though. It did. Yeah. You know what, folks? This is a very valuable lesson. 
And that valuable lesson is just because a movie makes a lot of money doesn't mean it's good. Right. Um, okay. And then the other one's another live action Disney remake, but we'll get to that one in a second. And it's just that this one is just so dreary. Like when I heard that Tim Burton was making an Alice in Wonderland, I'm like, okay, that I could see that. I can see that. Yeah. But it's just like the way they talk. They, it doesn't make it like if you've watched, have you ever seen the original Disney Alice in Wonderland, JT? I have, yes. It's wacky. It's fun. Oh, yeah. This is just so, and this is just so dreary. And it's just, and they talk like a, they talk like it's a freaking war movie when it's just supposed to be a fun adventure where you're supposed to t- just turn your brain off. Right. And Alice just talks like this. Just talks like this, and it's very... and Like, Johnny Depp is the Mad Hatter. Like, you would think that would make sense, but he no. sucks. And he's a, he's a very, very, very talented actor. He is Really good. I'm not the biggest Johnny Depp fan, but yeah. Oh my god! Like I don't hate him. He's just yeah, but it's just what should have been a match made in heaven is just this, and and you know what? It's and another thing is it's too dark for kids. I agree, one hundred percent. But like, there is a scene when they're walking through to the queen's palace and they see like decapitated heads. Yeah, that's pretty, that's not kid friendly at all. So, and what was this movie rated PG or PG 13? Can you check that for me, buddy? Yeah, good. Uh, it was rated, rated, it made a billion dollars. And, and you know, what's another thing? I'm playing up. It's rated PG. And you know, there's also the scene when the, when Alice decapitates the dragon, this movie, I, I listen, I don't want to sound like, I don't want to sound like the protect the children, save the children. Right. But this movie got away with a freaking PG rating. Yeah. And it made a billion dollars, a billion dollars, folks. This movie made a billion dollars. Tim Burton, you did something right, but this movie, I'm just shocked. This movie got away with a PG rating. Me too. Really am. And yeah, so that's what I guess about Alice in Wonderland. And now we move on to the other Tim Burton live action Disney remake that I couldn't stand. This movie was actually on Justin and I's top five list for the worst movies of 2019 Dumbo. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, go on. And this may sound repetitive. The movie kind of suffers from the same problems. The problem is, it's Dumbo's just supposed to be a fun little kid story. Right. But everyone is just so... I think Justin said it best. It's too dark for kids and too childish for adults. And... And the, and the thing is, is that... 
And the, the thing is, is that dumb, is that you actually see characters, a character get killed in this film right on screen, you know, for kids. Right. And nobody has any personality in this film. It's just so like there are two kids. They have the personality of freaking sandpaper, sandpaper. Yeah. J- JT, the table, the table I am recording on right now has more personality than these kids do. Wow. He that's really saying something, guys. And like the, the little girl's just like, I want to be a scientist. There's no and emotion. Basically, no emotion. And everybody's and everybody's sitting there. And everybody is sitting there like, oh, a woman what not these exact words, but the idea, oh, a woman wants to be a scientist. Most unorthodox. Um, wow. But it's, and like the, the way she, and like, listen, I don't want to pick on them because they're kids, but I, I'm sure they're really nice kids. What a step down from Alice in Wonderland too. It only made $353 million. That's two or three times less than a billion. That's crazy. On a budget of $170 million. I, listen, like the kid actors in here, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're really nice kids, but, and I hope their, their careers go to improve, but just like Dumbo, we're family now. I'm like, Oh my God, show some freaking emotion here. Yeah. You're not kidding, man. And, and it's like, okay. There are some good things like one, two good. Okay. Colin, okay. Maybe three good things. Colin Farrell's not awful, but I just feel like him and the kids Saying they're phoning it in is an insult to phones. Oh, Jesus Christ. They're like Facebook live liking it in. Oh, my God. Okay, like the things that are okay is is Dumbo's cute. Dumbo's cute. But is that really the saving grace of your movie? Just that Dumbo is cute? Nope. And yeah, that's not your saving grace, folks. And and plus, Danny DeVito's funny. He's sort of like this. He's supposed to be like this unlikable, like the guy who runs the circus. He's supposed to be a bit like a bit of a dirtbag. But in all honesty, he's actually pretty funny. Really? DeVito? Yeah. DeVito. I would say Danny DeVito was one of those actors I would put this on the list with Tim Curry and Christopher Walken and Jeff Goldblum of even of actors that even if the movie is going to suck, if one of them are in it, you know, you're going to at least get some entertainment out of it. Right. Um, but yeah, like pretty soon she's having a baby. Like, okay. Oh, yeah. You know who plays the villain in this movie? Who? Michael Keaton. Oh, how funny. Yeah, it's now DeVito's the good guy and Keaton's the bad guy. They reversed then Batman Returns. But guess what? Guess how he is? How? Oh. He sucks! And I love Michael Keaton, but he sucks! Maybe he was poorly directed. Again, he's saying he's phoning it in is an insult to phones! And... Wow. And it's just... 
it's just like he's your typical asshole in a suit villain. How many times have we seen that? Too many. He's your typical asshole in a suit villain. Yeah. Who just wants money, money, money. And he just, oh my God. I just, uh, this movie's like giving me just, and, and they like marketed this as like a family movie. I didn't feel all warm and fuzzy when I watched this. I felt unclean. Ugh. Okay, maybe that's going a little too far, but I just felt, I just felt very dreary watching this movie. Like, listen, I know, I know what you're like, wait a minute, that's Tim Burton's style. Get used to it. I'm like, guys, I love Tim Burton. A little Batman, a little Beetlejuice. A, yeah, man. Edward Scissorhands is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah, he's he's a brilliant director, guys. Yeah. Even though he didn't direct it, you go, you guys all know I love The Nightmare Before Christmas, even though he didn't direct it. He was very heavily involved, though. Yeah, he wrote. He was story. He wrote the story. He produced it. So, yeah, yeah. But you know, I love Batman. I love Beetlejuice. I love Edward Scissorhands. I love The Nightmare Before Christmas. But the, like Alice in Wonderland could have worked. But with I remember when they announced that Tim Burton was directing Dumbo. I'm like, no, this is not going to work. Nope. This is not going to work. And it didn't work. And you know, I'll be honest, in, in recent years, Burton's been kind of on the downslope. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unfortunately. Burton's been kind of on the downslope recently, folks. Um, I, I think only the like, I think he's had, like, some good ones here and there. I haven't seen a lot of the good ones here and there. But the good – one of the the last really good Tim Br- movie that he made, I think, was Sweeney Todd. But other than that, he's he's become, like, hit and miss. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. Because like, this is the timeline of Burton's career. He had He had a – Mild hit with some Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Then he had a big hit with Beetlejuice. He had a big hit with Batman. He had a hit with Edward Scissorhands. He had a hit with Batman Returns. Hit with Nightmare Before Christmas, even though he didn't direct it. Had a hit with Ed Wood. But then... But then the... not And then, like, the, the late 90s and into the early 2000s, he became more hit and miss. Like, you know, he's you know, he's made some entertaining bad movies like Mars Attacks. At least that at least that movie's entertainingly bad. At least, like I said, with with um Phantom Menace, at least you can laugh at how bad it is. Exactly. It's if anyone has not seen Mars Attacks, please go see it. It's it's one of those movies that I would say it's so bad, it's good. Um, but but and then the I haven't watched all the remake of Planet of the Apes, so we're not going to get into too much detail about that. But They're great, those remakes are great. No, nah, I mean like the like you know what Mark Wahlberg said. What about the um about the Planet of the Apes when they asked him if they were going to make a sequel? He said, "I'd rather jump out a window." Oh, sorry, I thought you meant the new ones. Like the new no, ones. no, the new ones are great. But the old the two thousand one was terrible. Yeah, like. No, Mark Wahlberg said, I'd rather jump out a window than do a sequel. Wow, that's rough. 
So, yeah, I got to admit, in the past couple of years is Tim Burton has kind of been going down the downslope. Unfortunately. And he's still a very talented director, but still. Like, you know, some of his 2000s movies, I haven't seen it, but Big Fish. Uh, I Big know, Fish is good. I know people really like Big Fish. Um, Big Fish is good. I used to hate Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I don't love it now, but I've kind of warmed up to it. I like Corpse Bride, and I really enjoyed Sweeney Todd. Okay. But, yeah, just feel like now Burton's kind of going down the downslope. Hmm. Okay, TED Talk over. TED Talk over. All right, I got one for you that's actually um, – I got a couple, actually. That are... All right, let's hear them. So I'm not – forgive me. I'm not familiar with a lot of David Fincher's work, but I believe he didn't direct – he directed Alien 3. Yes. David Fincher, for full disclosure, everyone, David Fincher, a really, really talented director, super awesome, super incredible. This is one of his first movies, if I'm not mistaken, right? I don't know. Okay. But go on. Anyways, David Fincher, you know, just put into context, this was 1992. Alien and Aliens are two of the best sci-fi horror movies of all time. Uh, Alien 3, though, was coming off from Aliens in 1986. By the way, just on a side note, the Alien franchise, there's been so much like, <coughs> what's the word? Like, there's been so many gaps between the films. It's crazy. Like, they had like 1979 to 1986, almost almost a 10 year gap between the first two films. Then like a seven or eight year gap between the next two films. Uh, it's just interesting to hear that stuff. Anyways, long story short, David Fincher directs Alien Three, and listen, Daily David Fincher. I I'm not familiar with a lot of his work, truthfully, but I do know that I do know he's a very talented director. I mean, but Alien Three was nowhere near as good as Aliens or Alien. I mean, it was it's the it's like the one of those things like the third film of the franchise. You know, it's like it doesn't do good. Uh, I'm, I'm looking just for a second what he did. Uh, David oh David Fincher directed Zodiac into that's a great movie he directed The Social Network it's, it's another really good movie he directed Gone Girl which won like a couple, a couple Oscar uh, Oscar nomination time if I'm not mistaken anyways long story short David Fincher is a great director but I believe his first film was if I'm not mistaken it was Aliens his the his first movie was Alien Three so long story short guys. Alien 3 is the continuing story of Ellen Ripley and the alien from world, whatever. And it's a hard sci-fi thing, whatever. And the, but this one was not that great. I mean, maybe you could probably forgive David Fincher for being like, look, look, you made, it's your first movie ever that you're ever, first big budget film and you're going to direct it. Maybe it was a hot take. Maybe you're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe you're like, oh, well, maybe we could do this or that. I don't know. But like to have, a first director of a first time director and David Fincher, who's a phenomenal director. Gone Girl was great. Zodiac was great too. But like the fact of David Fincher directing a, an alien film to start his career was probably a mistake, I would say, because it's so hard to do that though. You know what I mean, Bill? Oh, absolutely. Like, like your first film in your career is the third film in a highly successful horror sci-fi franchise. Do you think that that was a good, I mean, whoever made that, whoever at Fox made the decision was like, look, let's get that guy. It was his first movie. Was it great? No. I mean, did it have redeeming qualities? Sure. 
But Alien Three, you know, there are redeeming parts to it. Was it the is it the best Alien film? No, I, mean, I, I still contend Alien is the best. Uh, is the horror film? Aliens is the action film. The franchise. It's a great franchise. Too. If you ever checked out Aliens, check it out, guys. It's really good. Um, but uh, Alien Three, you know, what can you say? It's David Fincher's first film. He's a really talented director. I just wish that he would do something else too besides I, 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 I think having this is his first movie might have been a mistake because it was his first movie out of the gate that he ever made. So and plus the alien fan, the alien fans like, Oh my God, David Fincher's making this, whatever. I don't know. I think that, you know, it's, just, it's a, kind of like a mixed reaction for me, but I, mean, I think having him as their director was like a right. It was kind of a mixed reaction take personally, but that's me. Um, Bill, do you have any thoughts on Alien 3 or David Finch or anything? No, nah, not really. Sorry, buddy. Have you seen any of the Alien films? Uh, the first one probably a while ago, but no. Okay. It, watch. It, it, I, it's okay. I'm, I'm not going to go shame, but shame. Uh, <laughs> Aliens, I that. Aliens is great, buddy. Aliens is fantastic. James Cameron, it's, it's like his second film, whatever. It's crazy. Um. But yeah, David Fincher, Alien 3 you know, is stepping into a franchise like this right out of the gate. It's like not the best idea, but you know, it was not a terrible film. But, you know, still. Um, it's your turn now, bud. What do you got? Okay. We knew we were going to get to him sooner or later. The Room. No, I'm kidding. No, that movie is fantastic. I'm kidding. You know me. Commentary coming soon. Scared to death. Can't wait. Oh, hi, JT. I am Tommy Wiseau, and this is my Tommy Wiseau. Ah, I'm so funny. Um, anyway, okay. We knew we were going to get to him sooner or later, folks, and I hate to do this. I hate to do this. This is going to hurt. Steven Spielberg. Which one? There's like two or three. Um, okay. One, I haven't really seen all of it, but, um, 1941. Yeah, I, I can't comment too. I mean, I love the Spielberg death, but I, I know that this is probably his worst one. Go ahead. This is, it's it's basically a parody of what, John Belushi is in it. May he rest in peace. Um, Belushi. Yeah, from SNL. Um, yeah, I love Belushi. Supposed, it's supposed to be like a satire of when the Japanese attacked, um, attacked, oh, Pearl Harbor in 1941 and and yeah not a lot of people like this movie and you know who was supposed to be in it who John Wayne really yes I read somewhere Steven Spielberg actually reached out to John Wayne I had no idea and asked him if he could appear and asked him if he could make a cameo. And John Wayne declined. And plus, this movie came out the year he died. And John Wayne declined because he said, I find it insulting that you're making fun of World War II or something along those lines. Yeah. But this is also coming from the guy who got deferments from World War II to continue his acting career. Shh. They don't want you to know that. Um, no, that's true. Go look it up. Um, 100% true, bud. Yeah, but um, yeah, like I said, I haven't seen the whole thing, but it just looks bad. And 
You know why it's, this is insulting? This is coming from Spielberg. JT, freaking Steven Spielberg. Spielberg is the GOAT. The guy who gave us Jaws. The guy who gave us E.T. The guy who gave us Jurassic Park. We all know he has a range. He can do fun, but he can do serious, too. He can do, you know, he also did... He also did the... um. You know, he also did, you know, he did some more serious movies like Schindler's List. He did Saving Private Ryan. Color Purple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, if John Wayne was alive, I wonder what he would be thinking about Saving Private Ryan, because that is the greatest war movie, World War II movie ever made. Fight me. It is. Fight, fight me. Come at me, bro. Bill Murph 27. Come at me. Um. He's threatening here, folks. He's threatening. But yeah, it's just, it's supposed to be like a parody, but it's odd. It's strange. Like in the beginning, um, I saw the open. It's kind of funny, though, that um, Spielberg was actually parodied in himself. He was parodied in Jaws. Really? Yeah, and they actually got the actress who played the girl who the shark had as his, as her, as his first course. That's funny. So, and you hear the Jaws music. So I can at least give Spielberg credit that he's poking fun at himself a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, 1941. Can't really talk much about it. All right, dude, over to you. All right. I have only for the sake of time. I have about two more, but I will. I got I will two more shift. too, actually. Perfect. Perfect. Let's see. Uh, well, there's one I, I have pulled up in my notes. Uh, oh, yes. So. I'm saving the one that's really going to give me a stroke for last. I'm going to talk about... I, I have one more. I take that back. I have one more. So you, you can go twice next time, I promise. Okay, sounds good. All right, so I want to talk about... Since we're going to stick with Spielberg for a second. And look, I, I am as a diehard fan of this franchise. This movie is not great. It has a few redeeming qualities, but it was not... It did not feel like a proper... Indiana Jones movie. Wait, was this Spielberg or was this George Lucas? Spielberg. And the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Nah, how'd you know? So, all right, look, here we are. Here we are for a second. I mean, yeah, full of this culture. This is my one of the earliest films I saw in theaters. One of the first movies I ever saw in theaters. Ever. Uh, I, should, I should say, it was one of the early, one of my most anticipated films of when it was coming out. Right? You had Kate Blanchett as the villain, who was a phenomenal actress. You had Harrison Ford back in the role. And you had Spielberg returning. You had all this stuff right happening to it. What's, what's the one? And Spielberg, I would say this is not completely Spielberg's fault. I would say the problem would be George. I mean, Spielberg directed the movie the best he could, but the screenplay was terrible. Casting a hot actor like Shia LaBeouf as in Indie Sun was, uh, I, I feel it was a very hot take of the, oh, let's cast whoever's hot at the moment instead of screen testing a true actor. I'm not saying Shia LaBeouf's not an actor, but like he was very popular in the, early, the late 2000, early 2010s, whatever. You know, there was a lot of ups and downs with this movie, but I will say, and I was watching the bonus features at one point of this movie, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And Spielberg said on record, he said, look, 
He said, and I quote, the word that George insisted, he was talking about the title of the film. He said the word they insisted on, he, that George insisted on using was kingdom of the crystal skull. Kingdom. So that told me, like, and I thought about the more, it's like, George Lucas really had a lot of creative control. And this just shows you, this is, this is three years after Revenge of the Sith came out. So <coughs> I'm getting over my sickness, guys, I promise. Um, I could not believe this movie. Like, as a diehard, Raiders of the Lost Ark, everyone, is my favorite movie of all time. Right? The very first Indiana Jones movie is my favorite movie of all time. And the fact that you made a four, I mean, first off, I was, I was excited as hell. Like, we're making a fourth Indiana Jones. I get it. How, what's the story going to be like? What's going on? There was, I'm sitting in the theater and I'm watching this. I'm like, there's so much plot holes in the first 20 minutes of the movie. You know, Sean Connery, you know, Ray, he rest in peace. He drank, if you followed the story of Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, he drank from the Holy Grail, therefore he should live forever. And this one, and this one, we find out that his dad's dead and Marcus is dead. It's friend. Like, <coughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm sitting, I'm like 11 years old. I'm, I'm in the theater. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't follow what we're saying. A lot of people had the as, same thing. I'm, I'm as Doug about. Walker said, Hope you got a receipt for that cup of everlasting life. Uh, exactly. Literally. Exactly. Like uh, one, one more second. Okay. The, the use of, you could tell that this movie, and I, I don't blame Spielberg. I think he, he, Spielberg is the greatest director of all time. I think Spielberg was just bored making this movie. He's like, why is it? Like, oh, we, we'll just CG it in later. We'll just do this later. Spielberg. You are the creator of some of the greatest films of all time. And you're going to just CG it in, quote unquote. Are you kidding me? Really? This movie was so, I, mean, I look back at it now. I'm like, look, was it great? No. Was it good? Could you retitle it and call it Alabama Smith? You could. And it would have been. Uh, you're going to give people ideas. Uh, exactly. Don't people give them call, ideas, JT. You can call us at 1 800 Got Bill. Got Bill. Exactly. You can so, use our ideas for a very minimal fee of $1 million. Yeah. If, if, as long as you pass. Like, I don't understand what this process was. Like, it just, there's continuity errors, him and exploding with the fridge in the middle. Like, there were so many continuity errors in this movie. I could not believe what I was watching. Truthfully, and as as a die hard, like I mean, like literally, like dreams about this franchise. How rich the world of Indiana Jones is. Again, going back to George Lucas, George Lucas is one of the greatest creators of all of any art form ever, in my opinion. He he he's really good at envisioning worlds you can go invest books, video games. Uh, comic books, movies into and make a multi, a really successful franchise out of it. He's really good at that. I mean, Pixar was you know his studio, but like Lucasfilm was a studio. He is a creative genius, and I respect him a lot for that. But this was just a slap in the face to a lot of fans. This movie, and I love Harrison. Ford. I'm surprised Harrison Ford even took the paycheck. He was like, he was like, you better pay me extra. You know, like come on, like the dude. I don't understand. I don't know. This is just like, this just does not, this is not an Indiana Jones movie. And plus, by the way, just letting you guys know, the final Indiana Jones movie, the final 
the final Indiana Jones movie is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Why? Because the last scene in that movie is the four of them riding off into the sunset. What a perfect way to end a trilogy of films. Bill, take it away. What do you got? Okay, first of all, I want to say I think uh, Last Crusade is actually my favorite Indiana Jones movie. My dad agrees with you on that. Thank you, Mr. Mahoney. Um, but anyway, but, um, you know, some things I will say, um, you know, if you've ever watched on um, James Rolfe, I don't know if you know who, who he is, the angry video game nerd. Um, he actually did a know. top 10 sequels that aren't as bad as everyone says it, it they are, but and this was his number one. Yeah, what did he say about it? He said, you know what? It's a movie you just got to shut your brain off. Like, when he's yeah. in the fridge during the bomb, like, right. you you know you can't explode. You know you can't um, survive a bomb in a nuclear fridge. A nuclear bomb in a fridge. But, no. you know, there were some studies that said that lead could help shield you from radiation. That was back in the 1950s. So maybe that was a nod to that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, to say in the defense of um of um Indiana Jones's father and um Marcus in their deaths in the movie, um Indiana Jones is uh, they actually asked Sean Connery to come back, but he said, I'm having too much damn fun being retired. Huh. <laughs> or maybe he knew how bad this was gonna be, so he just stayed out of it. Maybe. And the actor who, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the actor who played Marcus actually passed away like 15 years prior, so. Oh, that's right, yeah. The actor who played Marcus Brody, yeah. Yeah, he sadly passed away. So as you can see, they um, they couldn't really get him for that one. But, um, but you know what? If I can kind of see what you're getting at if they're saying that... Um, because with the cup, it makes no sense. Because again, they couldn't get Sean, Sean Connery. Didn't want to come back. He just said, "Yeah, I'm, ha- I'm having too much fun being retired." But um, but um, they could have. You know, they didn't have to say he died. They just could have said, "Oh, he's moved away somewhere" or something like that, or just not even mention him. Right. Exactly. So and I can see that. And but you know what? Like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was another victim of. Drum roll, please. Phantom Medicine. Yep. Because people were actually trying to convince themselves it was good. And I remember, I, I only saw it once when it came out. And I thought it was okay. But I was 14. I don't have the esteemed taste in film that I do now. Um <laughs> But, but yeah, um, but yeah, I think this, um, I can kind of agree with you, but, uh, yeah, I can kind of see why a lot of people hate this movie. Yeah. And I don't hate it. It's just like, it's just not my, it's not an Indiana Jones movie. Then what is it? If you were to replace the title of the film from Indiana Jones to like Montana Smith and the Kingdom of you know people might have people might not hate it, but it was not an Indiana Jones movie. It was not. 
And I really didn't like the part with um with Marianne and Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, that's weird. And that Shia LaBeouf is Indiana Jones's son. Yeah, that was a little much. I I, I got to I got to admit that um that scene though that Marianne tells him is kind of funny. It's like yeah, Hunter, yeah, yeah, he's a good kid. Go, he's your son. What? Yeah, Hunter's your son. And yeah, like, did we really need to bring that? I, I think they just brought Marianne back, and I think they just brought Shia LaBeouf in for plot convenience. I agree, one hundred percent. So yeah, I one hundred percent agree with. Yeah, you know, it's like like I said, I haven't. I only saw it once, but now thinking about it, I'm like, because I try to go, oh, it's not that bad, but now I'm thinking, oh wait. Oh, wait, what about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? There's a lot of stuff that's wrong with it. Yeah. You're bringing it back to me, buddy. Thanks. It's fine, um, bud. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you have any more to say about this? Because I, I have two more. You're good. Did, uh, I'm good for the night. You go ahead. Okay, I have two more. One of them gave me a mild to moderate stroke. The last one is going to give me an absolute severe stroke. JT might have to call an ambulance. Oh, no. Um, go ahead. Okay, the first one, we're going to talk about John Favreau. Um, he made the Iron Man movies, and ev- if everyone knows, I'm not really a big fan of the movie Elf. I th- no, it's not that, I promise. Um, I think it's kind of overrated, but I, I do understand that people do love that movie, and they watch it around Christmas time, so I will acknowledge that. But the Lion King remake that John Favreau made... In 2019, right? Of 2019. Oh boy, here you go. Rant, rant, go. Three of the movies I made, I picked here, were all made in 2019. That's interesting. But yeah, I was kind of excited for this movie. I mean, it looked cool. Because I know JT hates it, but for those who don't know, Lion King is like my favorite Disney animated movie. Toss up between that one and Hunchback. Hunchback, Um, But. Once I saw it, oh my god, it sucked. Like, one of the things is you can't do this story because, one, it's so real. Like, the animals, they don't have the facial expressions. No, they don't even look the same. It's just like this. Happy lion. Sad lion. Angry lion. Confused lion. Horny lion. Yep. 100%. They all look the same. And and it's just, yeah, I'm giving you spoilers here, buddy. Sorry. Um, You're you're fine. Go ahead. It's just, it's, there's no emotion on these faces. Um, And, you know, the realism doesn't work for other reasons. Like, Two songs I can think of off the top of my head where it doesn't work is um is I just can't wait to be king. Mm-hmm. Because if you've seen the original, I just can't wait to be king is the you know, it, it does all these weird, fun things that regular animals just don't do. Right. And you can't do that when you're trying to be real. You can't do that. It doesn't work. And also, 
I I have to talk about it. I really have to freaking talk about it. Oh God, here we go. Be prepared. I'm ready. It was just a half-ass attempt. Because two or two, I'm going to butcher his name. I don't have Justin here to correct me. Two to two, children to Ekafor. I think that's how you say his name. I I probably butchered it, but they kind of made Scar a little too evil. And what I mean by that is Scar in the original, he's supposed to be more, he's, He's supposed to be very conniving where he, he can pretend to be the fun, you know, the, the nice loving uncle, but he's actually a sociopath. This guy, he shows his hand a little too much. And I just did, did not like how they shoehorned a, they shoehorned this plot that Scar and Sarabi were supposed to be together, but then Sarabi ended up leaving Scar for Mufasa. Like did that, was that really necessary guys? Was that really necessary? And oh my god! I, and okay, be prepared. Let's talk about be prepared. Um, but yeah, be prepared. Like it's just a half-ass attempt. Like it's just be prepared, be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. I'm like, and he's just like speaking his lines. I'm like, be prepared for the coup of the century. Be prepared for murky scam. Oh my god, they screwed the pooch on this one. I, I remember I saw it with Justin. I'm like, they screwed the pooch on this one. And you know what? I'll, and, and and another thing is, it's like they were gonna have be prepared and then they took it out because there was a Beyonce song that they that they that they wanted to use and they used it for the end credits just to get right. an Oscar nomination. And like as there was talk that they were gonna be using that they were going to use songs from the Broadway musical. One was a song called The Madness of King Scar. If they were going to use a song from the Broadway musical, a song that I would really would want them to see them do it is a song called Shadowland. It's a song about how, how Nala is leaving Pride Rock and is going for Rafiki's blessing. And the lyrics are just so haunting. It's like, Shadowland, the leaves had fallen. Shadowland, this was our home. The river's dry, the ground is broken. So I must go, so I must go. Where this journey may lead me, may this prayer be your God. I can't stay here, my family, but let this prayer be my, be my, be my pride. Yeah, and I didn't even look at the lyrics, folks. I, rem- I straight from memory. Um, yeah, they could have used that. That would have been great. But, and another thing, okay. Aside from the guys who played Timon and Pumbaa, Seth Rogen, and I forgot who the other guy was, I thought they were actually fun. Okay. I thought they were actually fun. And, but the thing is, it's like, I really shouldn't pick on him because I know he's very sick, but James Earl Jones reprises his role as Mufasa. And everybody was going nuts. Like, oh my God, James Earl Jones is back. And they're like, thank you so much, James Earl Jones, for staying healthy. For staying healthy. And not getting into drugs or anything to come back and beat Mufasa. Oh, my God. He, he sounded like he was falling asleep at the mic. <laughs> and, 
you could have just played the audio from the 1994 and you wouldn't have messed a thing. And like, listen, I get it. He's, I heard he has like Alzheimer's or dementia or something. But, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, best wishes to Mr. James Earl Jones. I really hope you're doing well. I, I don't mean to insult you, but um, I don't mean to insult you. I, I, I hope you're, I really hope you're doing well. Um, but yeah, it's just such a half-assed attempt. And this was just a, and this was just a shameless attempt at a cash grab. As you could probably see, I am not a fan of the Disney live action remakes. Any of them or just, or just well, no, okay. There's two that I actually did like. Um, I did like the jungle book. Okay. Which was also made by John Favreau. I actually did like the jungle book. That one wasn't that bad. Um, I thought beauty and the beast was okay. The, the, it was good. the live action remake. I didn't think it was anything with Emma Watson, right? Yeah, I didn't think it was. It's not the original, but it's good. Um. Oh God, one day to torture myself is to just watch all the Disney live action remakes and write them. No, 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 folks, don't. You know what, guys? Let's call. You know, JT, let's call a spade a spade here. Time to do a poll here. Do, are you ready? Poll, go. What would you like to see? A commentary of the room? Or me watching all the Disney live action remakes and ranking them? Which ones do you want, folks? Which one do you want? Oh, boy. I'll put a poll up on the channel later, I promise. What do you want to see, folks? I know what JT wants to see. Oh, God. He wants to do the room commentary. No, he wants to see me torture myself watching all the Disney live action remakes. Um... And if that wins the poll, I will do it. I'm a man of my word. I will do it. So anyway, put the poll up later and we'll take it from there. All right. What's your last pick? Okay. Now we're getting to the one that's going to give me a stroke. Oh, God. Here we go. Okay. This is a movie. It's starring Robin Williams. It's called Jack. Really? Yeah. I, Wait, I, I have like very vivid memories of this, but go on. You know who directed this movie? Who did? Francis Ford Coppola. No way. Yes, people. That Francis Ford Coppola. The one who gave us the Godfather movies. The one who gave us Apocalypse Now. The one who gave us the conversation. The great Francis Ford Coppola gave us this. Oh gave, us, gave us this. For those of you who haven't seen it, first of all, God bless you that you didn't see it. And thank you. But, okay, the movie, Robin Williams. I'm like, listen, before I go on, I just want to say, I just want to say to the late, great Robin Williams, we miss you. The world is not as funny with you without it. And, you were an absolute great asset to us, and we love you. But this movie. Okay, Robin Williams plays a kid 
who's a who's in the body of a 40-year-old because he has some rare disease. Ooh, JT's a rare disease. Ooh. Rare disease. And it makes it come out that he it makes him come out early because in the beginning of the movie, his parents are at a Halloween party. His mom is pregnant with him. And and the baby comes out several months early. And they told them because of this rare disease, he will be rapidly aging. So at the time he's four, so at the time he's four, he's going to have the body of a 10-year-old. And by the time he gets to 10, he's going to have the body of a 40-year-old. Wow. I, I, I very vaguely remember this, but go on. Oh, JT, I'm just getting started. Oh, no. JT's ready to hit the deck. Um, that's, a, that's all for night. To, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. The thing that insults me about this movie is, okay, a couple things. And, like, Robin Williams. Again, I love Robin Williams. He, he was probably one of the hardest celebrity deaths that hit me. But Robin Williams... Um... Robin Williams, um, the thing is, this was trying to be a ripoff of the movie Big with, with Tom Hanks, you know? Yeah. And in Big, Tom Hanks was, um, Tom Hanks was, um, you know, he was a kid, but you could see him as an adult. He's, you know, he's a kid in an adult's body, but you can see him just being curious and wanting to know everything. But here, he just act. You, because in Big, you see a kid trying to be an adult, but here, he just acts too damn childish. And again, I love Robin Williams' comedy, but it's just so, it's just so, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but it's kind of just uncomfortable just watching this 40-year-old man act like a child. And like it works in something like Hook, because, you know, it, it brings the big question, what happens if Peter Pan did grow up? Right. But here, it just... And, you know, he's trying to get in, in Hook. He's trying to get in touch with his inner child again so he can be Peter Pan and fight Captain Hook. Here, it just, it's just like, um, it's like what Doug Walker said in his review of this movie. It's like they don't portray Jack as a 40-year-old acting like a 10-year-old. They portray Jack as acting like a kindergartner. Oh, God. <laughs> They portray him as acting like a freaking five-year-old. And and because the and they just portray him as so naive. And like I get it, children are naive. Kids are naive. And yep. and it's just so and yeah, and and there's a, a character in this movie that re, uh, by a certain actor who really makes me feel uncomfortable even saying his name. Which one? Say, Bill Cosby. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. That's enough of that. 
Yeah, even just looking at him now, I'm like thinking, no, because there was a scene when Robin Williams is in the treehouse with Bill Cosby and a bunch of the kids, and they're doing this game thing, and it's just so awkward. Like this whole movie is just so awkward, and the and the thing with Bill Cosby though, what he did didn't really have anything to do with kids. I can't even. Watch it now, knowing what happened to him. And it's just, it's just so awkward. And like, there is a scene where his, um, where his, where his, where his, um, teacher, where he's trying to act, ask out his teacher to a school dance. But you know what? He was one saving grace. You know who his teacher's played by? Who? Jennifer Lopez. Oh my God. For real? Yeah. I forgot. I didn't even realize that. J Lo, baby, J Lo, J Lo, J Lo, hey J Lo, you can reach me at one eight hundred. Got Bill. Uh, ben Affleck, if you're watching this, I'm I'm so joking. I am so kidding. Uh, congratulations on your engagement. Congratulations, Benifer. You're back. Congratulations, but Benifer. No, no, that was a thing. Oh, I know. We're going. But anyway, it, it just when he. When he asked the scene, when he asked her to a school dance, going, you don't want to go with me. I'm an old lady. If I go with someone, my grade is going to look weird. I'm like, gee, you think? Yeah, right. And and then, like, I'm not picking anyone who suffers from this fictional rare disease. But yeah, I wonder if that disease actually exists. I got to look that up. Um, but, but anyway, and then J-Lo goes, uh, teachers can't go out with students. I'm like, I'm like, he's like 40. <sighs> okay. And now we're getting to the target of this movie that I came to bash. And guess who that is? Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, no. What the hell were you? I'm going to move back here because I'm going to start yelling. What the hell were you thinking, Ford? Are you kidding me? I remember when I before we came on here, I said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be talking about Francis Ford Coppola." I go, "Oh, let me guess, Godfather 3? I'm like, "No, this is worse than Godfather 3. This is not a Francis Ford Coppola movie. This just isn't a Francis Ford Coppola movie. He always said, "Well, I always wanted to do something like this." I always wanted to do a movie like this. And I'm like, and like, I think what makes me angry, because aside from something like Cats, you know, which is the worst thing that humanity has ever created, and that's saying a lot, I think why this makes me angry is because this was a movie that was made by someone who made arguably arguably the greatest who made arguably the greatest movie of all time. Yep. That being, of course, the Godfather, the Godfather. If you want to hear us gush about that, go watch our commentary from last week. Plug for our commentary. And, and me, and, and the Godfather, which was such a, the movie was so groundbreaking. The great Steven Spielberg, who we talked about, when he yep. saw The Godfather, and I told you this last week, JT, when Steven Spielberg saw The Godfather, he actually considered quitting filmmaking. That's right. Because when he, he goes, I'm never going to make something like that. 
I'm never going to make something like The Godfather, so why should I even try? And, and you know what? That's what insults me. When you have people who make the greatest film of all, who make these great films, Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather 2, Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. Apocalypse, that's another one. And you know what? Once you think about it, that was really last one of his big hits. Yeah, unfortunately. Kind of tapered off. Like, Godfather 3, believe it or not, actually got positive reviews and did relatively well at the box office at first. At first. But when this is someone who makes movies like that and they sink to this, it just, you know what? It really makes me angry. It kind of does make me angry. And you know what's something that made me kind of angrier? And I actually just read this up today. What? There was a problem. Okay, this movie was distributed by Buena Vista, which used to be owned by Disney. It's now Walt Disney Studios. Mm -hmm. It's now part of Walt Disney Studios. Yep. And it was owned by Disney at the time. And they were originally going to have John Travolta be Jack. Oh, God. But they, okay, there was a big problem. I, I, I don't really know how to explain what happened. There was a big problem in advertising with Robin Williams and the genie. When he voiced him in Latin, there was some problem over money. And, and, um, and there was like a big thing. And when they did the direct-to-video sequel, Return to Jafar, he refused to go back. And he did come back for Aladdin, King of Thieves. But... Anyway, but that, but that big thing, go look it up. It's very, it's kind of complicated to explain. Um, but yeah, but let's just say it's the reason you never saw a, a DreamWorks movie with um, with Robin Williams because Jeffrey Katzenberg, who runs DreamWorks, used actually worked on Aladdin and was kind of the big proprietor of all that. But anyway, Buena Vista actually basically gave this role as his apology as their apology for screwing him over in Aladdin. Basically, wow. hey, Robin, we're really sorry about the whole thing with Aladdin. Here, why don't you start in a movie when you're a 10-year-old boy in a 40-year-old body? How does that sound, Robin? It's going to suck, but how does that sound? That's like basically giving your... That's like basically giving your girlfriend a... Basically, when you, when you forgot about Valentine's Day and you give your girlfriend discounted chocolate. Hey, honey, I'm sorry. I forgot Valentine's Day. Here's some chocolate that I got a, that I got a, I got for like three dollars. That's terrible. Happy, happy day after Valentine's Day. Like, I don't, honestly, no, I'm a terrible person. person. But you know what? Here's something that I will kind of give. That I will say for Francis Ford Coppola did always say he wanted to make a movie like this. But first, I want to say congratulations, Sofia Coppola. You are now pardoned. <laughs> you are now pardoned from your performance in The Godfather 3. Congratulations. But he said he always wanted to make a film like this. And Robin Williams and Francis Ford Coppola were actually good friends in real life. And Robin Williams always wanted to work with Francis Ford Coppola. But you know, since Francis Ford Coppola makes more artsy movies than Robin Williams starred in, that never really happened. But 
the saving. But Francis Ford Coppola actually gave the script to Robin Williams. Okay. And Robin Williams loved the script. And he said, and Francis Ford Coppola said, so Robin, you going to do it? And he goes, I'm only going to do it if you sign on to direct. Damn. And that's what happened. Francis Ford Coppola signed on to direct and we got this crap. Wah, wah. Damn it, Robin Williams. Damn it, Francis Ford Coppola. Damn all of you. So, yeah, that is what makes me angry. Is you have someone who, who, may, who is arguably one of the greatest directors in Hollywood. I, I would put him in the top five, would you? Yep. Along with Spielberg and Lucas. Uh, early Lucas. Uh, I would say Spielberg, Hitchcock. Uh, what's Kubrick. Kubrick. Kubrick, yeah. And, you know, there's four or five right there. I would put them up there with Spielberg and Kubrick and, Hit- and, Kubrick and Hitchcock, Hitchcock. But. And you go to making this. Why? See why this movie makes me angry. I I do. I and like, listen, it's nothing against Robin Williams. Like I said, he was that was probably one of the hardest celebrity deaths that hit me. Yeah. And you know, no, again, no offense to Francis Ford Coppola. So, and you know, one of the greatest directors ever. So, yeah. So, uh, do you have any more or quote an Imagine Dragons? There's nothing left to say. There's nothing left to say. Okay, and I just want to say this. Our, the moral of today's episode, even some of the greats strike out now and then. Absolutely. For every, you know, for Spielberg, for every, for every, for every Indiana Jones, for every Jurassic Park, for every E.T. and Jaws, there's a 1941 and a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. For Tim Burton, for every Beetlejuice, for every Batman, for every Edward Scissorhands, there's a Dumbo and an Alice in Wonderland. And for yeah. Francis Ford Coppola, for every Godfather, there's a Jack. What do you say, bud? That quote in Imagine Dragons, there's nothing left to say now. There you go. Okay, and like I said, next week we're going to do vice versa. We're going to do good movies made by bad directors. Yes, we will take care of that for next week. But on that note, I want to thank everyone for watching, listening, however you enjoyed us tonight. Um, Thank you so much for streaming us as always. If you like what you've seen or heard here, subscribe to us, follow us on Spotify Podcast, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Superview Show. We do this every Wednesday night, evening-ish. We were in a little bit late tonight because I was a little bit busy beforehand. But um, as always, I want to thank my good man, Bill Murphy, from the what network again? Sandy Network. Check us out. We're on all platforms. They do a great job. I cannot emphasize enough. They do such a great job over there. They're excellent. We love them here at the Super Show. They do a great job uh, for, all the, for all your sports needs. But for all your movie needs and anything, anything else, keep locked on the Super Show for anything else. We will see you guys next week for another episode of Mixed Bag. So stay safe. And-